0: Welcome to Our Changing State, the podcast. I'm Matthew Petty, host of Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. For this podcast, we're taking a deep dive into topics that seem to be changing by the minute, from the environment and the economy to our politics and culture. For decades, people have been drawn to Florida by the warm weather, the beaches, theme parks, and lack of state income tax. But in the past few years, Florida's booming population has shifted those changes into overdrive. Our reporting for this podcast included an online survey where we asked people like you to share your take on the state we call home. Well, that's right, you and your neighbours drive the conversation we're having with residents and topic experts. Thanks for being here. We hope that we all learn a little more about our changing states in the process. Today, we're focused on the environment. Wildlands and wildlife are a big part of what Floridians, both new arrivals and people who've been here for generations, love about the state. But all these people are squeezing in alongside the natural environment. Florida's population grew by more than 400,000 people between 2021 and 2022. That's more than the entire population of the city of Tampa. Florida also faces a tough challenge, how to preserve the natural environment while welcoming tourists that help power our economy. And through development or climate change, wild places are transforming and in some cases disappearing. 52-year-old Christopher Powell was born and raised in Florida and now lives in Tarpon Springs with his backyard dipping into St. Joseph's Sound on the Gulf of Mexico. Here he is talking with WUSF's Jessica Mazaros on his boat at Three Rooker Island, a couple miles away from his home.
1: Why did you want to come to this area in particular? What does this place mean to you?
2: uh everything you know it's just childhood memories my earliest memories were on the the north bar over here i was three years old i can remember coming out and uh, the white sands being so bright i couldn't see you know it was a little baby you know and didn't have sunglasses and uh, i just remember just just loving it but i couldn't open my eyes very much <laughs> it's so bright beautiful
1: why do you think that stood out to you so much
2: i think i'm a uh, you know, aficionado of the, the natural beauty of this area. You know, it's not the Keys. It's similar, but the Keys have their own beauty. Miami has its own beauty, and this is home. This is my, my home.
1: Can you describe for listeners who can't see what it is that we're looking at? What, is, what does your home look like?
2: I like to say my church. This is my church. Depending on the time of year, you know early spring, May is my favorite time, just getting out of that before it gets too hot. And you can see the water just emerald green beautiful Um, birds everywhere fish everywhere stingrays there's not a day I haven't been out here I haven't seen something different
1: so what changes physically have you noticed of this area
2: well when I was a kid I don't remember there being very many trees we didn't really go this far south we were always up on this north point over here that one right there and uh, it didn't have anything but some you know, some bushes on it and uh, it grew up trees they connected and now it's being dismantled
1: how so can you describe what we're looking at because um, the way I would describe it is it kind of looks like patchy like there's patches of trees and then there's sandbar mm-hmm. and then there's water um, so it's kind of looks broken up but you're saying this was all connected for this about a mile all connected
2: back in 2015 I was sitting on the dock and looked and there was a big hole in the trees and I was like whoa out of nowhere there was a you know significant gap you know day after day month after month year after year it just slowly peeled apart to where you see it now it's it's a mile apart it's just a little you know disheartening to to watch it
1: what activity have you noticed change here too not just the moving of the trees that they moved away what else have you noticed in terms of like more people coming through
2: Oh, it's it's insane here on the weekends. Um, scallop season last year at the mouth of the Anclo Rivers, where they were finding them, uh, there must have been a thousand to two thousand boats. I never saw anything like that, not even in Homosassa, because it was more concentrated. But uh, you know, it's we're, we're a tourist state, so that's what they're there for. You know, hopefully the science keeps it regulated in the in the right direction as we uh, go further. With the global warming, certainly not helping this bar and the, all the boat traffic. What are you going to do? People like to play in the sun.
1: Um, and the amount of people that you're seeing uh, more so on the weekends and things, has it shifted how you come to your home and your church?
2: Yeah, I try to avoid going around the island. Uh, you know, or I'll get out there early in the morning and try to catch something. And uh, once they start moving in on me about 10 o'clock, it's time to get off the island and go somewhere else because it's its not really my cup of tea every day. I have done it, you know, come out here and partied with people, but it's...
1: It's not why you come here.
2: It's not why I really come here anymore, yeah.
1: What is it that you seek when you come here?
2: The beauty of it all. You know, my eye, it's eye candy for me. I mean, it's the best, you know. We don't have mountains here. I love mountains too, but we have this.
1: And do you talk to your daughters about um, what it used to be like and the changes that you've seen?
2: All the time. All the time. They get sick of hearing it, I'm sure. (laughs) Stop living in the past, Dad.
1: When you're out here kind of in the silence, do you think about the future of this place for your children?
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, I think about, well, where I live is 30 years, the water's going to be 15 inches higher. can I live there? You know, <laughs> what's it going to be like when I have a little storm go through? Not just a hurricane; these little storms. You know, I've had it you know, quite a bit of flooding in the backyard at times. It's, you know, it's a big cleanup, but it's never come in the house. But it's certainly uh, every year it gets a little higher and higher. And hopefully, it's it's not a runaway train worse than what the the scientists think it's going to be.
0: If you'd like to hear an extended version of each episode of Our Changing State, or if you'd like to listen to archived episodes of our weekly show, Florida Matters, visit our website, wsfnews.org. Today we're putting your questions on the environment to our expert guests, Tampa nature photographer and environmental advocate Carlton Ward Jr., and Hank Hoddy, the Sustainability and Resiliency Administrator at Pinellas County Government. Carlton, thanks so much for being here pleasure Hank thank you as well of course glad to be here quite a few people who responded to our survey talked about how to accommodate the influx of new Floridians without building over the natural environment and a lot of the comments and questions from the community speak to the tension between old and new Florida I want to ask you both uh, for a start how long you've been in Florida and how you've observed that tension between old and new Florida evolve in the course of your own lives Uh, Hank what, what do you think
3: Sure, yeah, so I was born and raised on the East Coast of Florida in, in Jensen Beach, uh, just outside Stewart in Martin County. And I got to grow up as a old Florida boy, so to speak, uh, in, the, in the 80s and 90s and got to really enjoy a flourishing environment and ecosystem, fished and surfed and played in the water and, um, but was also cognizant of hazards and threats around me, you know, at the time, mainly hurricanes. So, yeah, I got to grow up here and see the differences between, um, you know, that time and now and, you know, and just trying to do what's right for it. Mm-hmm.
0: Carlton, what about yourself?
4: I grew up in Clearwater. So those those scenes from that intro soundbite out at Three Rooker Bar, that was um, our stomping grounds where I kind of fell in love with nature as a kid. Um, my family's been in Florida for eight generations, um, seeing a lot of change in my own lifetime, but seen a tremendous amount of change through the eyes of my parents and grandparents. Mm -hmm. Floridians are
0: rightly proud of their beaches, and they're a big part of the tourism economy here. But tourism and climate change also bring challenges. Here's a comment from M. Vaughan from Monroe County, who writes, water quality and pollution of the beaches and ocean. Single-use plastics are a problem. Bags, bottles, containers, not straws. Carlton, I wonder what you think about that. I mean, what are some of the things that keep you up at night when you reflect on challenges and changes to the environment, and specifically when it comes to our beaches and coastal communities?
4: You know, a lot of our problems on the coast have to do with overdevelopment in places where they might not be compatible or sustainable, but other of those problems are caused by development or issues upstream. Florida is in a unique situation, I think, among a lot of neighboring states that most of our river systems, most of our watersheds originate here within the Florida Peninsula. So we can't point the finger at another state for our water problems. Watershed pollution, estuary pollution, it's from things that we are causing by not being sustainable enough in our practices. Everything is downstream from what we do on land. We need to restore the places that are impacted, but we need to preserve the places that still have that whole ecosystem functioning together. hmm
0: Residents of the greater Tampa Bay region who got in touch with us for this series have lots of opinions about the impact of infrastructure on the environment. Here's Patrice Matz from Northport who says, we need to leave land for the wildlife and stop fertilizer use on grass, stop growing grass everywhere and use hardscape and native plants without pesticides. Chemicals are sprayed too freely on everything. We need to embrace more natural environments for the sake of our waters, people and bees, butterflies and wildlife. Carlton. I mean, what changes are you seeing? You talked a little bit about this, but what else are you seeing in terms of um, the natural environment kind of bumping up against development?
4: Well, it's, I mean, the front lines of that battle are everywhere. I mean, we we are starting to invest in urban infrastructure and build up in places like St. Pete and Tampa and Orlando, but we're also still building out at a rapid pace So you go north of Tampa, you go to the periphery of Orlando, you can see farms and ranches and orange groves turning to rooftops. There there are all sorts of scales to focus on conservation. Like within the bounds of Pinellas County, there's so much work to be done for conservation. Within the context of the entire state, I'm trying to get out ahead of those front lines. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get to the 20,000-acre cattle ranch, or the, or the timber farm, where that landowner is still open to an alternative to development, looking for ways to keep farming, to keep ranching, to keep the space green. And mm. that's one of our biggest opportunities. It's one of the successes we've seen with the Florida Wildlife Corridor Act in 2021, which um, my team at WildPath and our partners were, were helpful in advocating for, there is a recognition that investing in these large connected green spaces is not just good for wildlife, but it's the infrastructure that all of our built environments rely on. It's, it's a source of our water, it's a source of our food, it's a source of our clean air. Mm-hmm. And you know within, within a larger context, thankfully because of the 10 million acres of public land and the 8 million acres of working lands and just within the Florida Wildlife Corridor, there is enough space that we can keep growing and keep conserving. But we've got to be really intentional and make those serious investments and treat it like infrastructure because without those green spaces, without those natural systems, nothing else is sustainable. Hmm.
0: Hank, I wanted to ask you too, I mean, what about fertilizers, which uh, our listener mentioned, um, what can and can't local governments do when it comes to regulating that kind of thing?
3: Well, Pinellas County pioneered a fertilizer ordinance in the state of Florida, and uh, many municipalities uh, and jurisdictions really jumped on board with that to uh, ban fertilizer in the summer months during the wet season. And so that's one thing that we have done mm-hmm. um, and others others can do, barring legislation and, and, and other rules and regulations above us uh, that may come down the pipeline. Um, we try to also provide a a leadership role and lead by example in our everyday best practices on our own parks and preserves and land. Mm-hmm. And we're actually using better types of fertilizers, um, removing you know the harmful um, carcinogens and things like that, and, and trying to be as natural as possible.
0: I also wanted to play a little bit of tape from a conversation that I had with Paul Plaud. Now, he's lived in the Tampa Bay region for all of his 30 years. He works as a mosquito control inspector Paul spent a lot of time on the road for his job and he talked about some of the things he's noticed over the years like dwindling number of bugs hitting his windshield for example or wetlands being transformed into subdivisions let's just take a listen
5: I mean literally it was a few months ago probably four or five months ago there's this swamp I was checking for work for mosquitoes it was a regular spot and then just out of nowhere uh, it was all bulldozed and it looks like they're trying to build it up and that's happened many places over Hillsborough County, and when I worked in Pinellas County, I also noticed that trend. And I mean, I know there's mitigation efforts going on. They restore a wetland somewhere else while they destroy what they feel like they need to destroy. But, I know it's not just me, I also see it on social media. It, it affects people emotionally. They feel attached to, the, to their landscapes they live near. You know, because once it's gone, it's gone. And I feel like if we waited maybe a, another decade or two, we could figure out how to minimize these impacts through certain uh, innovations, like if we had more porous pavement, environmentally friendly gardening, just overall be more friendly toward pollinators and the aquifer.
0: Carlton, I wonder what you think about that emotional connection people feel to Florida's wild places and, and kind of what the sense of urgency is about preserving them?
4: Whether you've lived here for a year or or your whole life, people do have a connection to nature here. And it's because nature is resilient and you don't have to have experienced millions of acres of wild places like I have through my career. You can see the egret and the heron hunting in the retention pond or Mm -hmm. in the mitigation wetland across from where you live, and and you still feel a connection. Back in 2014, there was a constitutional amendment to invest money in land conservation, and 75% of the voting public voted to self-assess more taxes for land conservation. So it is something that can unify us. It's also a challenge because... A lot of these wild places are hidden in plain sight mm-hmm. to, our, to the people who live here. Like, you know, he, Here in Tampa, how many of us have a, have a visual image of the green swamp, which is not that far to the north, and it's the source of major rivers and lots of the drinking water? Um, it's because it's not those mountain ranges. It's not that big escarpment that you see from a distance. Mm. But
0: You've got to get into it to experience it
4: you got to get into it you got to get up above it i mean that's that's been my calling as a photographer is to try to capture the beauty of these places and bring those stories back to people to help foster or strengthen those connections or or take that connection that already exists for the nature that they see and put it in context Hmm. with this connected landscape that's still out there
0: some of it's kind of uncomfortable too right i mean it's it's not always uh like a Sometimes it can be a bit of an unpleasant experience just getting into nature in Florida because of the heat, the humidity, the things, the critters can, that can attack you. So you've got to get through that to appreciate some of the beauty, right?
4: You have to pick the time of year. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I, I love being out there in the summer because it's when these places come to life with the mm-hmm. storms and the humidity. It's, it's It's like being in a rainforest but there is you know, certain, certain images to get past. Like the swamp is not a dark and scary place. The swamp is a beautiful and vibrant place.
0: I've been speaking with Tampa nature photographer and environmental advocate Carlton Ward Jr. Carlton, thank you so much.
4: Thank you, pleasure to be here.
0: And Hank Hoddy, sustainability and resiliency administrator at Pinellas County Government. Hank, thank you. Yeah, thank you, pleasure. Thanks for listening to Our Changing State find more details about this series from wusf public media including photos of the people we're meeting across the tampa bay region on our website wusfnews.org find us on facebook and twitter you can also stream our weekly show florida matters every tuesday at wusfnews.org our producer is Denora Prevost. the reporter for this episode is jessica mazaros our podcast producer is scott wachtler we also received support for this week's episode from engineer Jackson Harp, digital editor Carl and news director Mary Shedden. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.